now back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. On Yahoo Sports Radio. I want winners. Talk of Fame is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer's running slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can fix the problem. That's MyCleanPC.com. And they want winners? Next guest is a winner. He arrived in pro football through a circuitous route, much like many AFL players. But when he got there, he made his mark with the then Boston Patriots. Gino Capaletti is one of only 20 players to have played all 10 years of the AFL's existence and one of only three along with Jim Otto and George Belanda of Ron's Oakland Raiders, to never miss a game. On September 9th, 1960, Geno's 37-yard field goal was the first points scored in an AFL game, and they were far from his last. In fact, Geno was the AFL's all-time leading scorer with 1,130 points, including 42 touchdowns. He was a five-time All-AFL selection, league's MVP in 1964, and he finished his AFL career among the top 10 receivers in league history in yardage and receptions. But that's not all. He would later serve for 28 years as the color commentator for Patriot Radio Broadcast. In fact, our producer, Derek Burns, grew up listening to Gino, and then Gino retired in 2012, having done 585 regular season games and six Super Bowls. Gino Capaletti, it's a privilege to welcome you to the show. Oh, thank you. Nice way to be on. Uh, I want to just allude to that first field goal. Thank the heavens that I hit it because if I, if with Lou Saban, if you missed, you might try somebody else, and I may not be here talking to you about that. <laughs> we're glad you are here. <laughs> well, Gino, my understanding is you were tending bar at your brother's bar in, in Minneapolis. Uh, yep. And playing some flag football, of all things, when one of your former University of Minnesota teammates, Bob McNamara, gave you Lou Saban's number and suggested yep. you get you give him a call. I'm just wondering, how long did it take you to make the call, and, and was it difficult to do? Well, it was, because I had just uh, done a two-year stint in the Army, and I was at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, for two years, uh, in between my uh, college days, and also, thank God for the AFL, my pro football days. So uh, at that point, uh, I would have to say that uh, I just uh, wanted to play so bad, so desperately, when they were talking about a new league. And uh, Bob McNamara was uh, hooked up with my brother while I was in the Army, and they had a nice little bar. And uh, I came out, and I was just tending bar. And uh, a lot of talk was being taken place. Uh, about the new league. A new league is starting. And, uh, of course, um, Bob had uh, an entree there along with uh, Bud Grant and people like that. And uh, I, I, being away for a while, they may have forgotten about me. So anyway, I uh, talked to Bob when he got back uh, from a meeting with uh, Saban. And um, I uh, talked to him about it. And he said, uh, geez, I couldn't uh, really get to talk to him because it was everything helter-skelter at the hotel there in uh, Minneapolis. And he says, but I did get his home phone number, uh, Gino. And uh, so I got the phone number, and uh, I held on to it. I held on to it. My palm was getting sweaty, and (laughs) ink was going to maybe disappear. (laughs) So I finally picked up the phone, and I talked to uh, Lou Saban. He was at Illinois, Northern Illinois, I think, uh, was his last coaching job before 
he went to the Patriots, and um, I told him, I said, uh, uh, I said, I don't have a, an illustrious career to tell you about, but I love the game of football, and I think I can play the game of football. And uh, he says, well, uh, I'll tell you what. He says, you just sit there, and uh, I'll get back to you, and uh, we'll see what we can do. And bang, he hung up. So I said, that was it. A month goes by. I haven't heard a word. I said, well, that must be, uh, you know, the omen uh, that uh, it's just uh, not going to, it doesn't meant, wasn't meant to be. And uh, just desperately wanted to play. And, of course, uh, things were a little mumble-jumble then at that time, too, with the leagues and then the players and the drafts and all that taking place. A lot of the things uh, were just experiments. I finally got home one night and the phone rang and I picked it up, not having a dream at all that it might be Lou. And sure enough, Lou Saban gets on the phone. He says, Capaletti? And I said, yeah. He says, well, he said, I'll tell you what. I got a personal contract for you and uh, 7500 He says, and uh, we're going to get bring you in and take a look at you, and we'll see what happens. And I just, I hung up, I forgot what he said about monies, and I didn't give a damn, you know what I mean? 7500 for the year. And I told him, I said that I thought I could be as a player on both sides of the ball, and uh, so he's all, I'll, I'll tend to that. So anyway, it all worked out, I guess. <laughs> it did work out. We're speaking with Gino Capaletti, former Patriots star. And Gino, I want to ask you about the contract. Uh, are you telling me that really you didn't think that much about the money when Saban offered you 7500 Absolutely not. I just couldn't wait to get there. And I guess that was, uh, you know, part of football in the 40s and the 50s and then it's starting in the 60s. But, you know, it was like, uh, well, I was playing when I was tending bar in the Minnesota-Minneapolis Parkboard League, and that was uh, flag football. And uh, so Bob and I were playing, but Bob was going up to Canada uh, and played at Winnipeg. So that was the all of the football that I had in that year, which was 1959. You you played in the AFL's first game uh, on a Friday night at Nickerson Field at Boston University against the Broncos. Uh, there was no TV, I know, because I was a little kid there, and, and you know, anxious to see these Boston Patriots. Couldn't find you. Uh, there was a crowd, I think, of less than twenty-two thousand. But I'm wondering for you, what was more memorable than the AFL's first game? Was it the, was it just playing in that first game, or was it those Broncos vertical socks, which were just about the ugliest <laughs> things ever? Well, we didn't care much about the socks, but then that was their dilemma. But uh, <laughs> the game was important, and no question about it. We had played Denver in an exhibition game, and I think we played it in uh, Worcester or someplace like that because they, they were primping and propping with uh, the old Braves field trying to make a football field out of it. And they did a great job, I thought, once we got on the uh, turf. But uh, we played Denver. No, it was in Rhode Island, Providence, yeah. And uh, we beat them 46-3 to on a preseason game. Frank Filchuk was the uh, coach. Trapuca was the quarterback. And uh, there were a lot of other names that uh, popped up at that time. So I guess we went into that game just way too confident about playing that game at Braves Field. And uh, sure enough, uh, we uh, took it on the chin. They upset us. 
And uh, Saban was just, uh, I mean, he couldn't fathom us losing that first home game. And so he really started pumping away at practice for all of us. And uh, the uh, 60 season was a make-or-break year for a lot of players. We're talking with former Boston Patriots star Gino Capaletti. And Gino, I'm going to warn you here, we have Lance Allworth on later in the show. So I'm going to ask you about that 1963 San Diego Chargers team that Lance was on. You played for the AFL title Balboa Stadium and, of course, lost 51-10 to with Keith Lincoln combining for 332 yards from scrimmage. What happened? You know, I forgot about that game. <laughs> I bet you I did. did. You know, I was a little kid. I waited all day for that game, and then boom, it was over in five minutes. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll tell you, that was something. You made a nice diving catch in that game. I do remember that from Babe Perilli. Didn't help, but it was a nice catch. <laughs> yeah. I had to die for all the catches I made. But uh, that was a uh, following um, playoff game with Buffalo. And uh, we won that game at their home field, 26-8. to And uh, that allowed us to play uh, the San Diego Chargers. And we were going to play them by winning at Buffalo January 5th of 64. And um, it was a debacle, I tell you. But, uh, <laughs> Not for the, San Diego. <laughs> the uh, Chargers were really a good team at that uh, particular point. And... There was some talk about trying to get them to play the Chicago Bears, who uh, were the champions of the NFL, I believe. And uh, that uh, I, I would have thought that San Diego had uh, some speed that could really benefit them and uh, make a game out of it. So, uh, lo and behold, the 63 year, of course, a season, uh, of course, is uh, when. Uh, uh, John F. Kennedy was uh, killed, and that uh, was on 11-24-63. The game was postponed, and then we played uh, Buffalo at uh, on the playoff game. I just wanted to ask you about one other game. You played in a game against the Dallas Texans. You probably know where I'm going here. Famous game. I believe it was in the first season. Texans are driving for to, to win the game right at the end. Chris Burford runs a slant pattern. And out of the back of the end zone comes a guy in a cocky jacket who knocks the ball down. The officials never see it. You guys win the game on the last play. Everybody runs off the field, and Hank Stram is, is in a tizzy. Do you remember that game, and did you know when it first happened that some guy had run out of the back of the end zone and knocked the ball down? No. Oh, no, I didn't uh, at the time. But we saw it on film. That was uh, We played the uh, Dallas Texans at uh, Braves Field, and... Uh, the score, was, we were ahead 28-21, and uh, they got to the one-yard line. And it looked like it was, you know, very possibly going to be an overtime game or what have you. But here is the pictures where the player, all the uh, the crowd, whether it was a, a big crowd or not, doesn't matter. But people came running out on the field because when they looked at the clock, it was almost like uh, one second left. And then uh, everybody tried to just push over the officials and say the game is over. And so they had to clear the field. And by clearing the field, they pushed the crowd back on the sidelines. And then the people in the end zone, they had to go and push them back and be out of the end zone. In the back of the end zone now is where they were lined up. So all the fans in the stadium were lined up on the field all around the uh, field. And sure enough, 
here comes this guy. I forget uh, the quarterback's name for... Yeah, Cotton Davidson. Cotton Davidson. Cotton Davidson, yep. And what happened was he was looking for his receiver, uh, who escapes me now, the name... Yeah, Chris mm, Burford. Yeah, it was Chris Burford. Yeah, and he was open. He was open. And here's this guy that comes, and he cuts right in front of him, and he gives it the wand, you know, the wand (laughs) with two arms (laughs) in front of him. And then he just circles right back into the crowd. (laughs) And it was incredible. (laughs) We're very close to going to commercial, so unfortunately we got to run. But thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for the memories. Okay. Thanks, Gino. Appreciate it. That was former Patriots star Gino Capaletti. When we return, we'll talk more AFL with league historian Todd Tobias. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.